If somebody were to ask you right now, are you free? People might give different definitions and answers to that concept, but freedom really means to be free from bondage or slavery, to be unfettered. And we're talking about spiritual categories today in Colossians 2. Are you free? Well, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. We'll explore that more today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. I read a commentary by J. Vernon McGee, and he argued that we get our word photograph from the Greek word used here for shadow. So you can treasure a photograph. I remember I was on a missions trip many years ago, and I had one of those talking photographs. I was in India and Nepal of my family. And each of my boys said, I love you, daddy. And then the other one said, I love you, daddy. And the, the youngest couldn't really talk at the time. And he just went, uh, uh. <laughs> And it was this, this, this talking photo. And I had it in my suitcase, and we unpacked in a half-star hotel, geckos on the wall. <laughs> And I pulled the photograph out, and I, and I began to play it. And my friend looked at me and said, put that away. He said, you're going to drive yourself crazy. But the photograph was important to me. But when I got home back to America and kissed the asphalt at LAX, oh, thank you for America, Lord. <laughs> when I got home, I didn't hold the photograph and play it. I was with my family. They could talk to me. The substance was now in front of me. I could hug and touch and interact. Here's the deal. The photos or the shadows are good, but the substance is Christ. Now that he's here, don't go back to the shadows. Don't stay in the shadows when the substance has come. Amen? That's what Paul's saying. Jewish philosopher uh, Philo spoke of the letter of the Old Testament as the shadow while his own allegorical interpretations were the substance or the higher values. Uh, Plato famously used a contrast of shadow and substance or reality. Interestingly enough, the word here for shadow, as I mentioned, is skia. The word for substance is soma. It's where we get the idea of a body. But here it's, it's the idea of that which is substantive. The writer of Hebrews said this, and just write it down for your notes, Hebrews 10.1, as he talks about the old covenant era and the new covenant era, he says, the law, Hebrews 10.1, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices year by year, which they offer continually, make perfect those who draw near. The law, the sacrificial system, the ceremonial system were shadows, but now they've been fulfilled. The whole book of Hebrews is warning a group of early Jewish Christians not to go back to the sacrificial system in the temple when the Lamb of God has come because the blood of bulls and goats could not, in fact, it says it's impossible that they could take away sins. They were a picture, a shadow, the substance belongs to Christ. We were kept under custody of the law, but now we are free. Come out of the shadows. There are so many people in bondage today in religious systems. It is sad. It's sad. You ask them, if you died tonight, would you be in heaven? They say, I don't know. You don't know? 
You're following a system that has a question mark hanging in your soul? Are you kidding me? No, thank you. I want to know that I know. And by the way, I know that I know. And it's not because I'm so great, but my Savior has finished the work. And so Paul says, let no one, verse 18, here's the third warning. See to it, let no one, don't let anyone, verse 18, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement. Here's the asceticism we talked about when we introduced the book. They were beating themselves up thinking that's what pleases God or that's what pleases these so-called intermediaries between God and man. If you have the ESV, it says don't let them insist on asceticism and the worship of the angels, taking his stand on visions that he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. This is all that they were doing. This is a a verse that gives us the hint of a lot of their teaching. They were saying to people, "You you gotta beat up your body and then maybe you'll go to heaven. They were saying to people, well, you gotta worship angels. Call upon the angels. Invoke the angels against these evil spirits and then you'll go to heaven. And others were saying, I've seen a vision. And here's the vision that I, the Lord gave me. And they, they, like, with pride, explain their vision. They say, because I've been there, now you got to listen to me. But their vision is contrary to the scripture. What are you going to go with? Their vision or the Bible? Right? But this is what we have. People say they've had a vision. They've been there. They were up in heaven. They can tell you the way. But if their vision is not in keeping with Scripture, I would go with Scripture personally. Don't let them keep defrauding you. See the word defrauding there? That word is uh, specifically a reference to umpires in the games back in the day. Now, they, they didn't have baseball in the first century. I don't know why. It's the greatest game ever. Don't you, don't you agree? But they had track and field and chariot races, and they did have umpires. And these umpires would say whether or not you broke the rules or whether or not you were disqualified from the games, to use an analogy that we can all uh, hopefully relate to for those of us who are baseball fans. Don't let the umpire call you out when you're safe. The umpires in Colossae were saying, you're out. You do that, you're out. You do that, you're out. Jesus says, no, safe. He's made the final call, amen? Amen. So nowadays, we have instant replay, right? God has the best instant replay in heaven. All it is is the cross. It is finished. So the false teachers were saying to people, oh, you eat that, you're out. Oh, you didn't show up on that day, you're out. Oh, you didn't pray to that angel? You're out. Sorry. Safe. Jesus has already made the call. He's the umpire. He's the judge, not these puffed up false teachers. Amen? We could go to a lot of places, but I'll just say to you, (laughs) write down Jude. There's only one chapter, verses 16 through 21, to get a little bit more on how false teachers operate. The worship of angels kind of ties into this idea of the new age and mysticism and that kind of thing. It was a heresy that plagued the Phrygian region. Uh, Commentator William Hendrickson notes that in AD 363, a church synod was held in Colossi's sister city of Laodicea. It declared, quote, it is not right for Christians to abandon the church of God and go away to invoke angels. 
Apparently what some of these false teachers were saying is, if there's some evil that you're trying to avoid, you call upon an angel to help you. Look, angels may be dispatched from God. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, Lord, surround this place with your angels. But you invoke God in prayer, not angels. There is no Bible verse that says to pray to an angel. If God decides to dispatch an angel, that's his business. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man. That is the man, Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. So we call upon the Lord. I don't know about you, but if the Lord's my option, I'm going to take him every time. I think Michael the Archangel is a cool dude. <laughs> He's not a dude. He's an angel. I'm sure angels, and I know angels are powerful, as depicted in Scripture, yet we are not to invoke angels personally. We let God do that, and we are not to worship angels. In the book of Revelation, when John is overwhelmed by the vision he sees, he tries to fall down before the angel, and the angel says, don't do that. Get up. I am a fellow servant of yours. There was another angel around these parts that wanted that, and he got kicked out. Don't want to join his party. Get up. Worship the Lord alone and serve him only. You see, the problem with these false teachers, verse 19, is that they're not holding fast to the head. They think that they need more than Christ, who is the head, from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. Now, when I saw the word ligament, that jumped out at me for personal reasons. I have torn two ligaments in my knees, about 25 years apart. The first one was in a silly football game with my high school buddies, right out of high school, football with no pads. It's always a bad idea. I stepped in a hole, heard a pop. That was the first ACL, right knee. <laughs> Years later on the church softball team, yes, it's true, <laughs> Pastor Michael playing shortstop, trying to return to his glory days. There was a pop fly between me and my son. I ran, tried to extend to make the catch. The ball was in my glove. This is no fish story. It was in my glove. <laughs> but then I heard... A sound I've heard before. <laughs> Pop! When the ligament goes, this happened to be the anterior cruciate ligament, the famous ACL injury. It's a pain you don't want to know. I've experienced it twice. I don't care to experience it again. And when that ligament's not holding your knee together, things are loose. The, in fact, the doctor's first exam, will see to, he will try to see how loose your knee is. Sorry, did I gross you out? I'm not having a donut today. He ruined it for me. <laughs> all right, I'll have it for you. It's all right. Turn to Ephesians. <laughs> How do you like that transition? Ephesians 4. Look at verse 11. Many parallels between Colossians and Ephesians. Here's one. And he... Ephesians 4.11 gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service, Ephesians 4.12, to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... Time can really get away from you. The day-to-day hustle can sometimes leave little time for the more important things in life, like Bible study. Remember that Pastor Michael's teachings can be heard at any time, day or night, on walkintruth.com. You don't have to worry that you have to get out of the car right now, because today's teaching is already online, ready for you to listen when it's most convenient for you. Visit walkintruth.com today to hear all of Pastor Michael Lance's teachings to date. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. And when that ligament's not holding your knee together, things are loose. The, in fact, the doctor's first exam, will see to, he will try to see how loose your knee is. Sorry, did that gross you out? I'm not having a donut today. He ruined it for me. <laughs> all right, I'll have it for you. It's all right. Turn to Ephesians. <laughs> How do you like that transition? Ephesians 4. Look at verse 11. Many parallels between Colossians and Ephesians. Here's one. And he, Ephesians 4.11, gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service, Ephesians 4.12, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Some years ago, uh, many years ago now, we went down to, if you turn back to Colossians and we'll finish it up, we went down to an area called La Bufadora in Mexico. It's where the blowhole is. And we were down there surfing with a friend. <clears throat> and his dad had not surfed for about 20, 25 years. He used to be a long, one of those long boarders in Hawaii. You know those guys? It's like a, they carry a canoe out to the water. <laughs> it's the kind of board he surfed on. But it had, it had been years. And we just harassed him for days. Come on, Mr. Green. You got to go out and surf. Come on, Mr. Green. Finally, he decided to go out. Waves were pretty good that day. So we're out there, and we're, we're surfing. And he came out with this big canoe, and he was stuck on the inside. The waves were just pounding him. And then something happened. We heard a scream. Well, he had stepped on a jellyfish. And he, had never, he, he never even got out to catch a wave. And he was sitting on the shore in agony. You can't. I'm going to get you beat up by the waves, and then stung or bit. So many believers, sadly, blown around by every wind of doctrine, in doubt about their security in Jesus, always wondering, am I saved? Am I saved? Paul says, don't do that. If you, Colossians 2.20, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why As if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself or permit yourself to be under decrees such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Almost sounds like our mother. (laughs) Don't 
Anybody ever try to sneak a bite of cake and got slapped on your hand? That's not. What? I just. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? We started with eating foods, but now it seems that they're so ramped up in their judgmentalism, now you can't even taste it. It's the idea of them running around like the food police. Don't, 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 don't taste that. Fish. <laughs> That's happened to me at multiple church potlucks, by the way. <laughs> Stop it, Pastor Michael. We haven't prayed. No, I'm just kidding. I, I do wait. Which all refer, 22, to things destined to perish with the using in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. Look, food, 1 Corinthians 8, 8, will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. There are systems that demand, for example, vegetarianism. The Bible does not. Peter was told, rise up, kill, and eat. So if someone wants to be a vegetarian, that's fine. But if someone decides to eat meat, none of these things have anything to do with your standing before God. You're neither the worse if you eat or the better. I should qualify. I would watch your cholesterol, though. <laughs> because I still think we have a temple to take care of, and this is not carte blanche to say, you know, you can, you can just eat up a storm because you're not the worse or the better. Well, spiritually, that's true. But you could be worse physically, right? So we need to... Hopefully keep that in balance. I'm saying enjoy your life, but we, we still have to be careful. These, this is not carte blanche here. The view that the body will eventually uh, uh, be dismissed of, according to the church father Athanasius, Anthony, the founder of Christian monasticism, listen to this, because he believed he, got to, he had to beat himself up, never changed his vest or washed his feet. And he had no friends either. <laughs> but not to be outdone, Simeon the Stylitis, who lived from 390 to 459, spent the last 36 of his years of his life atop a 50-foot pillar. Let me say that again. He spent the last 36 years of his life living on top of a 50-foot pillar. For what reason? See, I'm here, Lord. I'm suffering for you. Look, you may be called upon to suffer, but I don't think the Lord's going to be terribly impressed with 50-foot pillars or vests that go unwashed. What impresses him is a heart of worship. A man or woman who says, Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. These are matters, final verse 23, which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom... They look good in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value, zero, against fleshly indulgence. So we think, well, if I just do this, then I'll be, over, be able to overcome that sin. No, you don't overcome sin by abusing your body or you know, keeping yourself away from things that God has blessed you with. The way you keep yourself from sin is by the same power that saved you. Alexander McLaren wrote, there's only one thing that will put the collar on the neck of the animal within us. And that is the power of the indwelling Christ. 
Ascetic religion is godless, for its practitioners essentially worship themselves. As such, we are not to be intimidated by it, close quote. You have so-called holy men. They dress in a certain way. They look impressive. And we may even respect them for their sacrifices. But as far as fleshly indulgence is concerned, that's not going to do it. Christ is the one who will do it for you. Archibald Rutledge tells the story that as a young boy, he was always catching and caging wild things. He particularly loved the sound of the mockingbird, so he decided to catch one and keep it so he could hear it sing any time. He found a very young mockingbird, placed it in a cage outside his home. On the second day, he saw a mother bird fly to the cage and feed the young bird through the bars. This pleased young Archibald, but the following morning, he found the little bird was dead. Later, young Archibald was taken to renowned ornithologist Arthur Wayne, who told him, quote, a mother mockingbird finding her young in a cage will sometimes take it poisonous berries. She evidently thinks it's better for the one she loves to die rather to, than to live in a cage. Wow. You will find holiness the same place you found temptation in Christ. I leave you with Ironside. He says, when temptation comes from without, we are sadly conscious of the fact that we have a traitor within who would open the door of the fortress to the enemy if he were not carefully watched. When the enemy attacks our hearts, our hearts must be determined to cleave to the Lord and give no ground to the suggestion of the flesh or the promptings of the adversary. In other words, when you are tempted to give in to sin, run to Christ. There is a way of escape. His name is Jesus. The same one who brought you salvation is the same one who will give you strength to deal with life because you are and I am complete in him who is the head. Amen? Amen. Father, we are grateful for this section. We need it so desperately in a world that can be very confused about how one is saved. And there's so many people who are walking around even this city this morning who have no assurance of salvation. They think it's all based on performance or diet or days of worship. They think it's based upon maybe even beating themselves up. But Lord, in the end, you took the punishment at the cross. You, there was love in your eyes. You took our pain and bore our sorrow at the cross. You were treated as though you had committed our sins, though you had never sinned. You took the wrath of Almighty God that we, our brothers and sisters in this room, those who hear my voice, could be free. And we are. And if Christ has set us free, we are free indeed. Amen. We are free indeed in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a blessing to be free. You know, if you've known bondage, if you've known what it's like to be in prison to sin and darkness, man, freedom in Jesus Christ, the light of life, it means everything. And I just want to say a big thank you to those of you who are listening to Walk in Truth. My heart is full. I am grateful to have the honor of sharing the Word of God on the airwaves. What a blessing. And what a blessing to have an expanded family, people listening in Kansas, Arizona, Utah, Idaho, right here in Southern California. 
Hey, there's a church behind Walk in Truth called Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. If you're ever in our neighborhood, come and check it out. You can find out more as you check out Living Truth Christian Fellowship. Well, folks, I've been telling you we'd like to bring Walk in Truth to Seattle, Washington. We're praying about this, but to do this, we'll need more monthly partners. So if you're encouraged by our message, you see its value, it's helping you in your walk with Christ, you're telling other people about it, well, this is a way to get it before other folks like you. And so would you consider partnering with us and helping us to expand the reach of Walk in Truth? We'd like to do it today. We serve a big God, but we know he uses people to help us with that. So if you'd like to set up a monthly partnership and be a contributor and a partner to Walk in Truth, go to walkintruth.com and click on that donate button. Whether it's a one-time gift or you're a monthly partner, every little bit helps and will help us to pay for radio airtime. Remember, your financial support does not go unnoticed. And to show you how grateful we are every month, we offer a resource. We will make sure that you always receive it to help you with your spiritual growth. So make sure you check it out, mail in your donations, check out how to give, check out all the resources available for you at walkintruth.com. Well, have a blessed weekend. Make sure you worship with your local church and your local church family. We'll be back on Monday on this same station to bring you some teaching from Colossians chapter three called Seeking Things Above. Man, how we need it to keep our eyes in the right place. God bless you. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.